Good morning, everyone. We welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion. This morning, our subject will be on love. And we are recording from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, the United States of America. And we really appreciate you joining us. And we will start with our morning prayer. I'm reading some loving statements by Mrs. Eddy from Divinity Course and General Collectania, the Blue Book, page 229. You are the child of the loving God, surrounded and protected by infinite love. There is no hatred or evil to frighten you. You have no disease. You have nothing to fear. You are not in danger. You are entirely well and continually held in the presence of God. God is always with a good desire, giving it power, activity, energy, intelligent action, and rich fruition. He brings every right endeavor to its fulfillment and gives more blessings than one has sought. Possess yourself of good and dispossess yourself of any other mind and all the mystery of iniquity beateth in vain against your house. Abide in love. Nothing can touch or harm you in love. Know that you live in love. Love is God as life itself. Take this understanding with you and bless others with love. Mary Baker Eddy. It's beautiful. We could end the discussion right there. <laughs> Thank you, Florence. Okay, our watching point. Watch number 367. Watch that you heal with divine love and feel love for the true selfhood of your patient, no matter how repulsive the human wrappings may appear to be. Your healing thought may be scientific, but without love, you provide no channel through which to convey the healing power to the patient. On page 365 of Science and Health, Mrs. Eddy stresses this need for love. She goes so far as to say that if we reach our patient through divine love, the healing work will be accomplished in one visit. Also, in Sentinel for July 3rd, 1943, her words are, quote, Love, love, love. Then you will heal the sick and raise the dead. End quote. Thank you. Okay, comments. Well, the, the um, where it says the chant, your healing thought may be scientific, but without love, you provide no channel through which to convey the healing power to the patient. I thought of hymn number 182, where it says, Make channel for the streams of love, where they may broadly run, and love has overflowing streams to fill them, every one. And it just reminded me that, you know, we have to keep, we can't allow any obstruction in the channel that um, love just naturally wants to flow through not only to benefit ourselves but others 
And so we just have to make sure there's no obstructions like fear or doubt or hate or whatever um, that would try to obstruct that flow. Thank you. That's beautiful, Karen. And that I was thinking that goes with what Louise wrote on the forum, quoting an article from a Grace Bemis Curtis. She was one Mrs. Evans I know talked about. Maybe she's one of the more recent ones, but a good one. And it says, if we seem to lack, feel a lack of love, it isn't due to any shortage of love. There's always an abundance of love. It's because an accumulation of selfish thinking clogging our intake and blocking the free flow of love into our lives. As the ice of material self is dissolved by the warmth of unself love, the bounty of divine love flows freely into our lives and meets our needs. So thank you. Yes, there's never any lack of love. It's our own yeah, selfishness or self-centeredness that would seem to obstruct it. <clears throat> but with that warmth of love shining, that obstruction, the adamant of error, right, all the self, self, self can be dissolved so the love flows freely. have to dispossess ourselves of any other mind like Florence's prayer. So. Yes. Yeah, because, you know, where where is that channel? What is the channel? Consciousness, well, thought. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's my own consciousness. That's why Mrs. Eddy says, stand porter at the door of thought. What are you worshiping in your consciousness? And, and I just want to say, when I first came here, I I had been to a lot of churches in my life, and enough that I it it was an impossibility to me that a church would ever have anything good. But when I came here, it was so different, and it is totally the love that shines through that is a difference. So I've always been grateful for that. Thank you. That's means everything, right? Because science and hell, the vital part, the heart and soul of Christian science is love. Without this, the letter is but the dead body of science, pulseless, cold, inanimate. A tinkling cymbal and a sounding brass. Yes. And that can hurt sometimes. It certainly it can. Certainly, yeah. This is Eddie says it, yeah, it rolls a stone upon the heart when it's just cold words. That's where we get all these books about <laughs> people being raised in Christian science and can't standing it now because, because of that. There was no love. There was just no love. It was just maybe rules enforced without the love that's just the worst. And that Watching Point quotes Science and Health on page 364. If the scientist reaches his patient through divine love, the healing work will be accomplished at one visit. And we were always taught there was one important word in that sentence. And what is that? Reach. Reaches. Yes, yes. reaches. That's a two-way two street, isn't it? 
mm-hmm. practitioner has to reach, but but what's the responsibility of the patient? Be reachable. Be, be open. Be open. Yeah. <laughs> like Craig's testimony last week, you can't force people. <laughs> yeah. There has to be that receptivity. And and I know, I'm speaking for myself, I, I wasn't, wasn't very receptive because I had a lot of pride and fear and negativity. It was took a while. It's like, what do they call it? Peeling the onion or something? The layers on an onion. Yeah. So don't be discouraged if your healing isn't done in one visit. And so that leads me in a way now to Florence read that beautiful testimony Wednesday night and she was going to add some things to it. Oh, yes. I, I was thinking I should have added that in that case, in this uh, lady's uh, testimony, it seemed to be things like finances and housing and a job and so on. But it, it's equally the same for when you have a physical claim that seems not to yield. It appears as if nothing is going on, but if you keep looking at it and comparing that with your progress, then it makes you even go down more. Discouragement. Well, nothing is happening. Nothing has changed. Well, a lot of is changing in thought because eventually it's really the thought, the change in thought that outpictures as the, is the healing. So I just wanted to add that because in in that case it was just uh, it seemed like um, you know things to do with job and so on. But it's the same I feel with uh, our physical challenges as well. Yes, and if you recall the testimony, this woman all, really all of a sudden everything started happening, right, Florence? Everything she. I mean, I she's surprised. Amazing, yes. Everything. She had the house. There was so much trouble with the house. She was with tenants, and then, you know, it, it wouldn't sell. She put it up for how many times it wouldn't sell. I said, be patient. You know, at, at God's time, nothing stands in the way. Nothing can stand in the way. And so I'm just grateful for that testimony. Yes, and Carol, when you put it in the magazine, you can add the ending that Florence gave us to it. That it yeah. It was so this this the thing it just didn't happen overnight. Well, one day all of this happens, which a lot of people seem to want. You know, well, why am I not healed right tomorrow? I've been working on this for two weeks, so um, and I don't mean that unkindly because I was that way myself. But, but I'm it's beginning. I'm beginning to realize what a whiner I was. <laughs> so if this took a while. But then when it happened, it was boomity boom, boom, boom. And that's true with healing, too. And Mrs. Eddy talks about unwinding your snarls. Most of us come with a lot of snarls, a lot of misconceptions, even, believe it or not, those that were so-called raised in the science, maybe more so. Mm-hmm. They have these snarls to unwind. If you take the comb and push on the snarl, what happens? It's tighter. tighter. It, yes. Oh, so you, oh, you angrily pull one side of it, it gets a knot. <laughs> and why isn't this working? And then you have a big jumbled up mess. It takes a while to untangle the snarls. And you have to be gentle and a little bit here, a little bit there, not to be impatient. And then all of a sudden, it all loosens. Right? 
It's like the frozen river. Yes, yeah. which is on our, on our carousel now. And uh, I find it helpful to remember at times when things don't seem to, to, to look right anyway, mm -hmm. to realize that, you know, God's creation is perfect now. We see things incorrectly when we see inharmony, when we see disease, when we see lack. We see, well, we're, we're, we're looking at God's creation incorrectly. And what needs to change is not God's creation, but our vision. Our vision needs to be cleared. And that sometimes takes a while. Thank you. And I, go ahead. No, I just also wanted to say one thing about your point about the pride being this stumbling block why you maybe you couldn't be reached mine was the other way the stupid humility that makes you feel unworthy that's equally uh, a stumbling block i feel yes yes mm -hmm. yeah that you're not worthy yes yes but that's not you see and this is why it takes time because maybe you were this way for a long time I mean, with my case, Mrs. Evans used to tell me, I have nothing to be prideful for, so what is my problem? <laughs> Which was true. It wasn't like I was some great thing that I was so prideful. I, 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 was, I was pretty much a nothing. <laughs> so the pride just snuck in in different ways, like I didn't want to admit I had problems or things like that. Anyway, so yes, but this is, if, if it's been part of your, kind of the way you've thought for so long, this is why it takes a while to unwind that snarl. You have to see it. I didn't even see it. Um, or in, in Florence's case, she didn't know at that point that she was a child of God. Maybe no. you can read it, but did she know it? No. You've got to get where you really know it. And then, but that's a, that's a snarl. That's a past belief that has to be unwound, unsnarled. And then, then you make progress. So bit by bit, day by day, you work on it. And it will come. I absolute, 100% guaranteed. For any of you who have been struggling long and hard with problems, if you keep on this path, keep applying it to the best of your ability, your healing will come 100% guaranteed. Yeah. For is what Gary said. Someone has their computer on. But Gary just said it's it's here now. It's true now. We just have to have the eyes to see it. Our high eyes have been beholden, right? Yeah, and and there's no formula. You know, there's no time horizon. I mean, it's it's possible to make that change quickly, and some people some people do and can. For most of us, it takes a while, <laughs> My, you know, myself included. But that's, it's a process. And why is it a process? Well, quite frankly, because the devil is aggressive, right? Yes. You know, the, 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 the lie seems to be nipping at the heel of truth. It just seems to happen. And we need to be aware of it, alert to it, and not fooled by it. 
sometimes in like the case of Mr. Kimball, you know, if he was healed quickly, he said he probably would not be as proficient or do the great work that he did. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that, like you said, Mary, are our thought, you know, there are things that you don't even realize maybe you're doing and it turns into a habit and you, you don't recognize it. Thank you. That's but, a, thank yeah. You. It's a good way to say it. You don't recognize it's a habit. You don't even know it's there. Jeremy. <laughs> well, she kind of answered it, but it, it makes me think of my son when he started in school, when he started playing clarinet, like immediately he was, he was really good at it, but then he didn't, he didn't work on it. He still played after that, but they, you know, the teacher told me one time that he doesn't ever see him going any further because that initial success made him feel like, oh, I don't need to try. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the laziness of the human mind where we have to strive. And it is a process. And if you're doing it, there always be more and more things to, to overcome. And it's a glorious, it's a glorious thing to do because you know you have the power of God behind behind you, in you, and through you, and above you, and over you, and all around you. In front you. of you, and all around, and all around you. It's <laughs> the dearest cry, says the Christ. And we have been, um, these mornings, the last few mornings anyway, just talking about various things to handle. I am doing this in some ways to show you how to do a watch what needs to be handled, what thoughts might come to you to be handled. Um, like last last week it was the, the new normal, which we know is the new normal will be a wonderful normal based on the principles of God and the laws of God and and using the truth and in, in that synonym truth to deal with it. This, this week I was thinking about, yes, we've talked about it before too, but the bringing in of the millennium and love, love, love is required. And in the lesson three in science and health, love fulfills the law of Christian science and nothing short of the divine principle understood and demonstrated can ever furnish the vision of the apocalypse, open the seven seals of error with truth, or uncover the myriad illusions of sin, sickness, and death. So we have to apply our synonyms of God to achieve this. And in doing this, uncovering the myriad illusions, we will bring in the millennium. And it, 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 it is in our own thinking, our own consciousness. We've read how it goes on daily, the millennium. But... Um, so it's a tremendous time to be born into, to be part of, as Martha Wilcox says. It's you know our what does she say, Jeremy? Oh well, in the same way that Christ Jesus and Mrs. Eddie had their individual missions, we have ours. We have ours, and I, if you haven't already read her her article on the millennium in in the book that we have. Everyone must read it and be aware of it. And what does Mrs. Eddy say on um, 382 of Science and Health, which you know I find encouraging, but if half the attention given to hygiene were given to the study of Christian science and to the spiritualization of thought, this alone 
would usher in the millennium. Wow. Just half. Just half. <laughs> think of it. And then you think of how much we are bombarded with all this health stuff. Materia Medica, doctors, exercise, um, dieting. So let's get our attention. And I know many of you do. Let, let it be even greater. That, that's what will bring in the millennium. She also says that we all have to, dis, to be part of destroying sin, disease, and death on page 34 of Science and Health. And that's part of bringing in the millennium. So let's do it. Why not? And that, what is that millennium? Yes, it's the reign of, of Christ. Some people think he's supposed to come to the earth again, but of course we know that um, that's not happening. No. <laughs> um, that's a thought. Um, you know, so if we have a physical something, especially the the ones that are staring you in the face, and you're looking past it or doing your best or asking God's help to make you unsee this, I think it's, it's it is part of you know helping bringing in the millennium. Most definitely. Yeah. Most definitely. Every healing you have is. Every time you testify on a Wednesday night, yes, it is. And this is what we know, and this is why we watch and why we talk about it in the watch last night, all our watches about all of this work is cumul cumulative. Cumulative. <laughs> yes, all of it is. And in Martha Wilcox, she says, according to the dictionary, the millennium is a period of a thousand years during which time holiness is to be triumphant throughout the world. It is a period of great happiness, good government, and freedom from wickedness. Yay. Uh -huh. What are you going to say? Well, but like everything else, where, where does this millennium take place? Consciousness. Yeah, it takes place in our own individual consciousness. And Mrs. Evans, our teacher Mrs. Evans, used to remind us all the time, you go into heaven one at a time. You don't go in pairs or, yeah. you know, families, <laughs> you know. So it's, what are we seeing? Are we seeing the millennium within our own experience? That should be our objective. Mm-hmm. To so spiritualize our thought that we see nothing other. And when problems, of course, come to us, you don't ignore them or you don't, you know, get upset about it. You, you reverse the lie with the truth. And enough, and if enough of us do it, boy, oh boy, is that going to be contagious. <laughs> yeah, that's the only true sense of contagion <laughs> is a contagion of good. So, go ahead. No, it's, I'm just thinking, you know, it's like that constant identifying with what God is seeing and not what mortal sense or your eyes are seeing, going past that. And, well, God, what is God seeing now? Like that saying, um, you were there, what did you see? Um, I don't remember the exact quote, but what is God seeing right now about me? Is it this wound or is this this? whatever, because it can be aggressive, but I feel that if we could just, you know, 
look to God and may ask, I, I have, you know, what do you see, Father? Yeah. That beautiful hymn you gave us a while ago, Be Thou My Vision, O Lord of My Heart. I, I think that often during the day, just that one little statement, Be Thou My Vision, O Lord of My Heart. What is God seeing? And we know you can have a few people looking at the exact same thing, and everyone will give a different report according to where they are coming from. I think that's partially responsible for all what we call the fake news. Everybody sees and feels and hears something different according to what they want to hear and see and feel. It's all subjective. But in God's universe, it is not subjective. He sees the truth, and we see the truth, and the only only see the truth. And we see from eyes of love. And that's why, too, that beautiful, I guess it's an article or pamphlet, True Vision by John Morgan. You could read or listen to that every week and be so blessed. He takes the seven synonyms and tells you how to apply to what you see. Yes, and this is going to bring in the millennium. I read this probably last week, but miscellany, 239. The millennium is a state and stage of mental advancement going on since ever time was. Its impetus, accelerated by the advent of Christian science, is marked and will increase till all men shall know him, divine love, from the least to the greatest. And one God and the brotherhood of man shall be known and acknowledged throughout the earth. Wow, that gives me goosebumps. So this is it. And, and where is our love? Because love, what is the golden text, Lillian? Love is the fulfilling of the law. Thank you. And the word fulfilling. Accomplishment, completion, and what did you write, Linda, on the forum of, from The Greatest Thing? Now, that's another thing, this little booklet, The Greatest Thing in the World. If you don't have it, get it. You can download it, right? You can yeah, buy yeah. it. On the website, Our website. Yeah. Gary read it. Gary read it. You can listen. Yeah. Wonderful. It's wonderful. And he suggests because it's based on 1 Corinthians 13, which is in the lesson. He suggests you read that chapter once a week for three months. And it will totally, if it reaches you, <laughs> will change change everything. It will be a life-changing experience. Go ahead, Linda. All right. So from the greatest thing in the world, I took a, a part, and it goes, quote, you remember the profound remark which Paul makes elsewhere. Love is the fulfilling of the law. Did you ever think that he did you ever think what he meant by that? In those days, men were working the passage to heaven by keeping the Ten Commandments and the hundred and ten other commandments they had man, manufactured out of them. Christ came and said, I will show you a more simple way. If you do one thing, you will do these 110 things without ever thinking about them. If you love, you will unconsciously fulfill the whole law. That was end quote. Thank you. It, it's so true. And you've seen anyone that goes anywhere that they have love in their heart that can be most humblest 
come from the most poorest background or whatever and if they have that love it, it will be a great blessing and if they don't have it doesn't matter who they are or what they are it won't be a blessing um i was greatly touched this week some of us went to see the movie hidden figures maybe you've seen it this is my third time actually <laughs> but, yeah if you haven't seen it that's another thing for you to do <laughs> I, your to-do list is growing but anyway jeremy tell them it's simply what it was about oh well it's about these three black women in the early 60s who each of them were incredibly amazing at mathematics and they were working for NASA as a part of you know the, the space yeah the space crew I guess <laughs> trying to trying to do the math and figure out how to get you know everyone into orbit and just the amount of of racism and foolish obstacles they had to go through I think that's my my big takeaway. What a weird thing that is. You know, you'd, you want to use your God-given gift, but you have to jump through a million hurdles. But they did it all, and they did it so well. And I just, it's very inspiring. Did you want to add, Craigie? Oh, I, no, I think he did just fine. <laughs> yes. But he, and Craig told us that in Plainfield, what? One of the... Uh, not the ones that were that were the head ones, but there was a hidden figure that lived in Plainfield and it was a mentor to many of the girls in, in Plainfield and I suppose some of the guys. At some of their celebrations each year, they would, she'd be invited and she would, the, they, the, the students would gather around her and, and uh, she uh, shared knowledge and wisdom. Yay, Plainfield. And the, <laughs> That's all I can say. And, and the, you know, I mean, one of the things about it was so inspiring. These these women were so smart. They were so gifted. And yet, you know, they lived in a very prejudiced environment, segregated environment, and they refused to hate. Yes. They yeah. refused to hate in spite of all the crap they were dealt and was it ever that's what got to me and and the next morning when i read in the lesson first peter where it said be all of one mind having compassion one of another love as brethren be pitiful be courteous not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing but contrarywise blessing knowing that ye are there unto called that ye should inherit a blessing for he that would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. When I read that on Tuesday morning, I, I did, I wept because this is what these women did. Every instant, no matter how insulting, you just wanted to wring some people's necks. They just, they just kept doing the right thing. And at the end of the movie, it showed what wonderful, exalted lives all three of them lived and how they made huge advancements to this awful thing called racism. And, and it was this, 
it was just what is in first peter it's also in in psalms 15 lord who shall abide in thy tabernacle who shall dwell in thy holy hill and it goes on and this this is a law for anybody anywhere they practice these principles just as joseph did when his brothers threw him in a pit it's it, you know all kinds of people have had this it's it's being persecuted for righteousness sake and if you can not go down to that level you will be exalted you will be raised up and i i can only imagine and i i do know to some degree what it's like not to want to retaliate but that was that was a story of love and it wasn't love of, of person it was love of what truth yes righteousness yes yeah, love of god god principle. god principle <laughs> they must have i knew they didn't mention it but that you could tell they were christians by how they lived so they loved god if you're if you're doing it because well you love your race or you love yourself or you love your children or whatever you couldn't maintain it the way they did it was they knew it, they did it because it was right for no other reason than it was right it was right it was right it was as clearly right as the math was clear to them yes mm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, one thing I, I, I get, I did see that they waited for the light to know which direction to go in. If they had a glimmer of sense, of, like when she wanted to get her into the school, she waited for the light of the direction to go in. Like if she didn't have the wise steps to take, she, they wouldn't take any steps mm -hmm. at all. That's true. I, I, I kind of saw that. That's true. <laughs> I mean, there was this one one that wanted to get into engineering school, and she was totally blocked. But she went up, and she she faced that judge. I mean, you could just tell she was on the wings of inspiration. Yeah, she made it a win-win. <laughs> yeah, really like that. she did. And you know that in the lesson, love inspires, illuminates, designates, and leads the way. That's where she was coming from. And that I've always loved the, the definition of inspires in the 1828 in dictionary to communicate divine instructions to the mind. Mm -hmm. God is telling you. Well, God told us her name was Mary. She went up to that judge. She asked to stand right in front of him. And she just knew what to say to reach him in just a few sentences. You put before the judge you'll have the words you will have the words to say and the whole story was like that everything and then and even that one time when the when it was Catherine she finally told told everybody off it was so soul satisfying <laughs> she just told them off and they just sat there dumbfounded because they knew she was right I like at the end when there seemed to be trouble with the um, the the man in the orbit, and everybody was like scratching. What, what, what's the answer going to be? And she, she, I saw she was praying, Catherine. That is, she was the very end. Yes, towards the end, she yeah. got and she got the answer. And yeah. that John Glenn asked for her. He wanted her. 
because you see the combination of her divine intelligence and then her the love because love is wisdom it, it was it was nothing could defeat it despite the what is it the slings and arrows of mortal mind the carnal mind which is always jealous hateful um tyrannical that's as we talked about last week it's inherent it's the nature of the beast so the only way to defeat it is in this way it's beautiful is that is the wave that can shock or never more i love that but they were channels for love yes they were they were and they ended up they did they had long days happy days fulfilling days god bless them one of the next things we're going to watch is when i've already seen it but we'll watch again is harriet and harriet about harriet tubman and that too coming all these movies movies that that tell you how to be better how to live a better life that's the movies we want to see I think also gives you perspective. Oh, you think you've been through something? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true too. That's true, because for some of us, you know, to walk a mile in another person's shoes, movies and books can help do that. When we don't understand what it must have been like to be on the other side of that, um, and but we do know our dear Bible is full of people overcoming adversaries, just and adversities and adversaries, just like this. And they did it because they loved God. They loved God and they did what was right because it was right and for no other reason. And that's a tremendous power because God is watching over you and will take care of you, even though at first maybe, and certainly for them, it seemed like it wasn't, but ultimately it was and it was soul satisfying to see see them, <laughs> see them overcome those odds it was just beautiful so um as some of you noticed there was a lot about compassion in this lesson and how jesus healed his compassion and um in all three healings he was moved moved with compassion 1828 says having a heart that is tender and easily moved by the distresses and sufferings wants and infirmities of others and we've been taught here too that it's not sympathy what's the difference well sympathy goes right down in there with them and sees is the problem and part of the problem and sees that it's real you commiserate with commiserate yes Yes, whereas compassion doesn't see the misery as real, but it loves enough to lift it, lift it up out of the misery and to see what God sees. That's true compassion. Jesus, you know, was the most scientific man who ever trod the earth. He was also the most compassionate as a result. He was, he was the example of the channel of love. And, you know, sometimes the question is, well, how do I love? How, how do I get there? How do I do it? That's why this little book, The Greatest Thing in the World, it takes you step by step. And it, it talks about 
Jesus being a carpenter and how he practiced by being a carpenter. And um, each day you get opportunities. And, was, and it was also brought out in the forum, and it was something Mrs. Evans did teach us too, that um, everything that's not love is hate. There's no in-between. You're either loving or you're hating. And that can be a shocking statement, but... But what is indifference, for example? <laughs> indifference is hate. Yeah. That can be sometimes the cruelest kind of hate. When you're indifferent, you don't, you're, thou art neither hot nor cold, therefore I will spew thee out. That's revelation. You're just, what, bland. What is bland? Bland is a definition of the bland denial. The bland denial. Blandness, indifference is, is not good. You must feel, feel, and even if you're feeling, Strong emotions, maybe that are negative, they can be turned into positive. Is the story of Saul turning into Paul? I used to think, as a Christian scientist, I, I neutered myself all the time. Heaven forbid I feel anger. Heaven forbid I, you know, was jealous or any of those things. So I just tried to neuter, just repress it, <laughs> suppress it. And of course, you can't do that. You have to face your negative feelings and and. And replace them with the truth. Yes. Because ultimately, you know, how do you love? What does it mean to love your neighbor as yourself? To see your neighbor as God sees. Thank you. It's complicated. It might be difficult, <laughs> but it's not complicated. Well, and that, that's what was good about the watching point, too. It said even though the person might, <clears throat> I forget the word. The trappings, the wrappings may appear repulsive. Repulsive, <laughs> I know, repulsive. That can happen. But you never saw, Jesus wasn't repulsed by the lepers um, because he saw beyond. He saw the, the child of God there. And that's what you talk, speak to. That's what you reach out to. That's your connection. He, he wasn't repulsed by the Pharisees either, was he? No. He loved them enough to tell them off, to tell them what they needed to hear, even though he knew that they would hate it. Yes. Because they didn't want to be reached. Yeah. When you, some people don't want to be reached. They, they had their cup was full. They didn't want to hear anything because they thought they knew everything. And that is one of the hardest ones to reach. That's why blessed are the meek. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Those are the reachable ones. The others are... Those who think they're full of the spirit can't be reached. Yeah. Because they're so full of it already. <laughs> <laughs> or so they think. And one thing that always has helped and comforted me is Mrs. Eddy's definition of man and recapitulation. And it states there that you are the image of love. That's your standpoint. So, you know, don't tell yourself that you're not loving or you don't know how to love. Or, the, or that you're not loved. Or that God. you're not loved. Mm -hmm. And in this book by Henry Drummond, he, he says to, to know 
we love because he first loved us. We love, not, not we love him. That is the way the old version has it, and it is quite wrong. We love because he first loved us. Look at that word because. It is the cause of which I have spoken. Because he first loved us, the effect follows that we love. We love him, and we love all men. We cannot help it. Because he loved us, we love. We love everybody. Our heart is slowly changed. <clears throat> Contemplate the love of Christ, and you will love. Stand before that mirror. Reflect Christ's character, and you will be changed into the same image from tenderness to tenderness. And loving him, you must become like him. Love begets love. It is a process of induction. Put a piece of iron in the presence of an electrified body, and that piece of iron for a time becomes electrified. It is changed into a temporary magnet in the mere presence of a permanent magnet. And as long as you leave the two side by side, they are both magnets alike. Remain side by side with him who loved us and gave himself for us, and you too will become a permanent magnet a permanently attractive force. And like him, you will draw all men unto you. This is the inevitable effect of love. We love others. We love everybody. We love our enemies because he first loved us. <clears throat> it's so beautiful. And... So this is this is how you do it. <laughs> I know when I first came here, I felt terribly unloving. And Mrs. Evans, I, I it, it was so interesting to me because she did seem like she loved everybody. She wasn't just loving her family. She lo she loved everybody. And I, how in the world can she do that? But this is how. And I know I can see in myself such drastic changes in that way because that's how I really do feel. I feel like I love everybody. And I used to think that would be impossible. And it is impossible humanly. I tried to be really good and help people, but that wasn't, that wasn't it. That was human. It's only when you do what is just described in this book. Feel God's love. Remain in him and of him and through him. And then pretty soon... All of a sudden, you feel like, gosh, I just love everybody. <laughs> uh, and that's a wonderful thing. And goodness, if I could make even a little bit of progress in that way, anybody could, can. Amen. <laughs> see, see Gary, Gary knew me. <laughs> so he speaks as one who knows. Yeah, it's been a wonderful healing. Wonderful well, and it, it's, it's. But it's wonderful progress. And, and we should all. We. we we can all make that same progress. That's the thing. And it's, it's, believe me, no one ever arrives as long as they're on this earth. So, so we are works. I am a work in progress. Always can do better. Always can learn more. But when you start to feel those negative thoughts of envy, hate, jealousy, or, or that you, you can only love your own family, which is actually how I used to feel. And you know, well, that's not the love of God. And you can work to correct it. And we have the greatest love beside us. Every moment, God will make sure that we can do and know everything we need to know. Thank you.
And Craig does that. Mm -hmm. And that's how you get out of the human love because God will urge and prod you to tell you what you can do to help someone or what you can say, like that woman in Hidden Figures, to reach the heart. It's always that expression of God, nothing human. And really, if we don't, we are separating ourselves from God because if God is love and we are hating, well, hate is not part of the synonyms. So it's, uh, we're disconnecting. So. Yep. Thank you. We do choose, don't we? <laughs> yes. So we can be so grateful that we that Christian science teaches us about this God of love, and this is so different from any other so-called religion. Um, Carrie sent me, it was a beautiful article on love by that Louise Knight Wheatley. She also wrote a beautiful that beautiful poem that Eaglet sent on the forum as well, Teach Me to Love. Um, and in this article on it's called Compassion. It's about it's it quotes a poem by Browning, such a starved bank of moss, till that May morn blue ran the flash across and violets were born. It says, there is many a starved bank of moss in our midst today, just waiting for sunshine. It has passed through many phases of experience during that long, cold winter of discontent. First of all, in the mental mist, thick and dull as some November fog, it lost sight of the light of truth. And quickly after that, the December snow buried it in fear, remorse, suffering, self-condemnation, and shame. Then it was seized in the ice-bound grasp of pride and resentment, growing ever more hard and stubborn and bitter, after which the cutting winds of criticism blew upon it, and the empty blustering of idle tongues lashed it into fury. Then one day it came about that a wonderful thing happened. A compassionate look fell upon that shrinking, suffering one, followed by gentle word of encouragement and the poor star starved consciousness responded just as the cold earth responds when the showers of April fell upon it then the light of love shone upon it and it was strangely warmed and comforted it felt a sudden new desire to move to grow to put out wee white fibers from its shrivel roots to wake out of its long sleep, to be something, to do something. And at last came that May morn, when there was no longer any starved bank of moss, but just a velvety green slope, starry with violets, lifting their blue eyes in silent gratitude to that love which had brought them into being, to that love which is God and which, like the sunshine, makes glad the wilderness and the solitary place, causing even the desert to rejoice and blossom as the rose. This is what love does, and this is why we must have the patience and all the qualities that are in Second Corinthians um, to go forth and express that love, because you, you never know 
and I, many of us have been, we could say we were that mossy bank, all those things happening. And it was someone who loved enough to reach out, who wasn't put off by the repulsive appearance, because it's always repulsive <laughs> when it's not in God. It's never very attractive, is it? So I just thought that was so beautiful, the way she expressed that. She must have had a wonderful heart of love, that Louise Knight Weekly. She has a lot of names. <laughs> well, and she was a good healer. And as Mary has a, a framed copy of a note that Mrs. Eddy wrote to a student on her desk that says, love is a mighty spiritual force. Yes, so we can all pray for that love. Never underestimate the power of the love that's in your heart. Yeah. So we will end now with Mrs. Eddy's short article, her beautiful article also on love. Miscellaneous Writings, page 249. Love, what a word. I am in awe before it. Over what worlds on worlds it hath ranged and is sovereign, the underived, the incomparable, the infinite all of good, the alone God is love. By what strange perversity is the best become the most abused, either as a quality or as an entity? Mortals misrepresent and miscall affection. They make it what it is not and doubt what it is. The so-called affection pursuing its victim is a butcher fattening the lamb to slay it. What the lower propensities express should be repressed by the sentiments. No word is more misconstrued, no sentiment less understood. The divine significance of love is distorted into human qualities, which in their human aband abandon become jealousy and hate. Love is not something put upon a shelf to be taken down on rare occasions with sugar tongs and laid on a rose leaf. I make strong demands on love, call for active witnesses to prove it, and noble sacrifices and grand achievements as its results. Unless these appear, I cast aside the word as a sham and counterfeit, having no ring of the true metal. Love cannot be a mere abstraction or goodness without activity and power. As a human quality, the glorious significance of affection is more than words. It is the tender, unselfish deed done in secret, the silent, ceaseless prayer, the self-forgetful heart that overflows, the veiled form stealing on an errand of mercy out of a side door, the little feet tripping along the sidewalk, the gentle hand opening the door that turns toward want and woe, sickness and sorrow, and thus lighting the dark places of the earth. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.